It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello and welcome to another edition of the PHNX D-backs podcast right here on PHNX. And guess what? Baseball games have been played this time. We get to talk about that stuff. Of course, I'm your mayor of PHNX, occasionally known as Derek Montilla. This sick boy next to me is the vice mayor. He's also the thunder sick, uh, Jesse Friedman. I'm just warning everyone that my my hearing is currently at about 60%. Yeah. Uh, when, I, when I flew in from Seattle yeah. last night. Uh, you know, your ears are like they're, they're supposed to pop at some point, like after did. you land and, and that never happened. So never if it sounds like I'm like yelling at, at an obnoxious <laughs> volume at any point during the show, I assure you uh, it's it's just because I can only hear like 60 percent of myself right now. He keeps so. reminding me not to touch him because he's sick. And then I keep wanting to high five him because we watched a baseball game that was two hours and four minutes today. I wasn't high fiving him over a D-backs win. That goes out to the press people. I want you guys to know this. That was over the time of game and not over the D-backs win. But of course, this show is not only brought to you by Victory, but it's brought to you by the fine folks at the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I just want to flush everything else that happened this weekend down the toilet. I want to flush (laughs) the 42 runs that they let score in three baseball games down the toilet. I want to flush the fact that all of those games were somehow still over three hours well when you give up 42 runs of course they're over three hours but i really just want to say i love the pitch clock oh i love the pitch (laughs) clock so much jesse the pitch clock is the greatest thing ever you guys oh man it was so good but anyway uh yeah ben says the show wasn't as good without jesse but it was pretty good sorry Derek, (laughs) you're not wrong uh I told him in a text message that he's not allowed to go any, away anywhere soon, but he's also uh, brings back a cold with him. So I'm, I do. I'm kind of sick, sick of that. Uh, ben also says that Emmanuel Rivera Homer was absolutely destroyed. And yes, what we saw today was a pitching duel that ended with the Diamondbacks having a walk-off win, a three-run Homer by Emmanuel Rivera in the bottom of the ninth that not only won the game, but uh, clinched the uh, the shortest time of game I've ever seen of actual baseball that was nine innings being played. Yeah, I I mean, I I think it probably is for me, too. Like, I don't remember ever going to a major league game that was nine innings that went that I mean, two hours and four minutes. Like, are you kidding me? We were joking at one point about it being a two hour game, but we knew that wasn't going to happen, like especially because we had said we were kind of on pace for it like throughout most of the game. I was like, nah, we're. We're definitely going to have an eighth inning that goes like 25 sure. minutes or something <laughs> yeah, to set us off sure. pace. But that never happened somehow. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, there wasn't a whole lot of offense in this game. Emmanuel Rivera's three-run homer 
that that walked off uh, this game was the only offense that we actually saw the entire way, at least as far as actually scoring runs goes. Um, but it was a fun game. I it mean, the Diamondbacks, really uh, obviously, Brandon fought probably the biggest story from this one. We'll, we'll talk about him. But there were a lot of a lot of pitchers on the D-back side in this game that I thought looked really good. Scott McGuff, we got to see him. Uh, we got to see Justin Martinez, Justin Martinez throw was 102 miles an hour. Uh, in all this day. game, just a hundred miles. He was just sitting at a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. He I, touched 102 and he literally like sat a hundred. I think his, his, uh, uh, the pitch that he threw softest in the entire outing was 99.8, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, Justin Martinez absolutely brought the heat and he threw some pretty nice splitters along the way. So he looked uh, awfully good as well. Uh, I know from sitting near him that Brent Strom was very, very pleased with everything that he saw out of the pitchers today. But the big story, like Jesse said, was Brandon fought. He was outstanding today. Obviously, the big reason why this is going to not only be a big story today, but it's going to it's going to continue to be a story is that fought is in the running potentially for that fifth rotation spot. And after what we saw out of him today, it's hard to say that he is not currently kind of in the lead based on his, uh, I guess, the the other guys that that are in the race and their performances over this past weekend not looking so great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've seen everyone once now, right? All the guys that that it appears are in the running for this fifth rotation spot. We've now seen all of them. We saw Tommy Henry. We saw Ryan Nelson. We saw Dre Jameson. And today we saw Brandon Fott. Uh, two guys out of those four have separated themselves uh, quite a bit, right? Dre Jameson and Brandon Fott both were very effective in their two innings. Uh, Ryan Nelson and Tommy Henry, not so much. Not uh, so they, much. they both got lit up a little yeah. bit, at least in the box score. So I don't know if I would say Brandon Fott is is, you know, in the lead. I don't know if I would say Dre Jamison is in the lead. At this point, it's probably way too early, uh, you know, off, off of one outing, off of literally about 20 to 30 pitches uh, to really be, you know, deciding like who is in the lead, who's in Like, you can't really rank these guys after after one turn. I but, absolutely am going to rank them. But yeah, I mean, turn. if you're Are Derek, you then you probably That's what I do. Anyway. I rank everything, Jesse. I rank <laughs> beers in the beer fridge. I'm going to rank everything here. And yes, it does go uh, wow wheat and then followed by uh, hop knot. Uh, and then everything else. But anyway, um, yeah, no, Brandon fought, though. He looked outstanding today. Uh, talked to Jesse about what was working today uh, as far as his pitches go. No, just um, pounding the zone. I think that was the main point, being aggressive. Uh, it's spring training, so you're trying to show all your pitches, kind of develop them um, before the season starts. So that was kind of the main goal today. And, yeah, obviously with uh, everything, you know, that Brandon fought still has to show, I think that's the – that's the one thing that probably separates Dre Jamison a little bit is that uh, I feel like the Diamondbacks, in in every case at least to start the season, want to go with experience. Uh, and and that's the one thing that might give Dre the edge a bit there. He did perform exceptionally well at the end of last season, already had his debut, whereas Fott could still make that debut. But uh, as Gabriel Ferrer said in the comments, uh, Fott is too good to be wasting away in the minors, and I, I kind yeah. of agree with that. And, and again, it is just one game, one game I'm very excited about because Fott helped contribute to this wonderful two hour and four minute game time. But it was also just the way that he worked. He worked efficiently. He worked quickly. His uh, fastball was outstanding. And uh, again, uh, we're, we got one of the questions about it, but he was throwing a really heavy, you know, fastball that that was hard to hit. And it, it just looked like he was looks like he was ready. You know what I mean? That's what it looked like. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was some adrenaline. Uh, he admitted afterwards there was definitely some nervousness uh, coming into this outing, which you'd expect. He did make a spring training start uh, last season, he so did. this isn't his first. But 
But like this year, he's really genuinely in the running for a rotation spot, whereas last year was just, you know, kind of a go get him. You know, he got nothing to lose, that kind of a situation, whereas here he's really competing for something. Uh, You definitely saw that nervousness a little bit. I thought his uh, early on, his fastball, he was spraying around just a little bit, but you could definitely see he he settled in and and you can see why people are as excited about Brandon Fott as they are. Uh, he just has this steady presence on the mound. And uh, like you said, he was he was quick. He was efficient. 23 pitches yeah. uh, over two innings. You're certainly not mad about that. He got a double play ball uh, by noted ground ball artist uh, Eric Hosmer, right. uh, who is in the middle of the uh, right. of the Cubs lineup today. So uh, but yeah, I don't think that was just Eric Hosmer and his uh, propensity for hitting ground balls. Uh, I think Brandon Fott executed. Did a column uh, A, did a column B. Yeah, yeah. Brandon Fott did execute some some solid pitches in this game. I think he got four swings and misses. Um, so yeah, what I will say about going back to the conversation about this this fifth rotation spot and how this will ultimately shake out. Unfortunately, either Brandon Fott or Dre Jameson is kind of setting the other two guys aside for for the moment. One of those two guys is going to start the year in the minor leagues. There's there's really no way around that, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, they're too both of them are oh. too good and too valuable for the D-backs to put them in the bullpen. I don't see that being a possibility. Right. So so barring some sort of injury, uh, I, I think that's just how this is going to shake out. And, uh, you know, Nelson and Henry are, are certainly still in the mix. I don't want to count them out, like I said before, but um, I, all I know is D-backs fans are going to riot one way or the other, whether it's whether it's it's Jameson <laughs> or, or Fod along with the other guys. Uh, people are not going to be happy to see them starting the year in the minors, but we will see both of them, I am sure, at some point this season. Well, and we've seen some young guys pressing when it comes to the bullpen, like you said earlier, yeah. Justin Martinez definitely making a very loud case for him to be a part of the Diamondbacks bullpen. And as it stands, when you look at the the depth chart now, it doesn't look like Justin Martinez right now is factored in, but absolutely could win a spot in the bullpen. Corbin Martin is another name. Jesse actually talked about Corbin potentially being like a longer reliever if he would kind of be a one-plus kind of guy. Tori talked about how he, he used a lot of guys for one-plus last season with the DH yeah. being newly implemented and such. But... Uh, yeah, I think that the one thing that we saw today, at least bullpen wise, is that a lot of the options that they've brought up or have brought to this team uh, were very effective and and looked very good. It looked promising. Cat cautiously optimistic about the bullpen yeah. going forward. Yeah, I mean, like we said at the top of the show, like there were a lot of guys who pitched really well today. Corbin Martin pitched really well. Uh, Justin Martinez, like you said, I mean, just you know, touching 102 miles an hour. Uh, 11 pitches, I think eight of them are strikes. And that's really the key with Martinez, right? We've seen some guys show off some big stuff uh, in years past, but Justin Martinez was was actually commanding it reasonably well um, in, in his outing today. So he's certainly going to be a name to watch. Uh, Scott McGuff, I thought, looked, looked pretty solid as well uh, coming out of the bullpen. He threw a 12-pitch, uh, pretty, pretty easy uh, inning during this game. Joe Mantiply looked good as well. He threw nine pitches in his inning. Uh, it's good to see some of these guys who you're you're really expecting to actually be a factor in the bullpen potentially uh, do well, right? Yeah. We saw a whole lot of relievers really struggle over the weekend. Frankly, if you go down the list of all those guys, not many of them are actually going to make the opening day roster when all is said and done. Uh, whereas today you saw guys who who really do have a shot uh, to make the opening day roster, and, and those guys pitched really, really well. And the D-backs turned it around, like we said, the weekend wasn't so great. Uh, I, we had a chance to meet Sean Roof, which is the uh, manager of the Amarillo Sod Poodles. Shout out to Sean, who told us he checks out the show. It's awesome. Always awesome. It's always 
like unbelievable dust to hear that from especially managers and such within the organization. But he also said after the game when we saw him that now uh, that our conversation and meeting brought the team good luck. So I guess I got to go dap up Sean Roof. Sean Roof, yeah. We'll, we'll go find every him every, every day. <laughs> because we don't want the Diamondbacks going back through what they went through this weekend, giving up 42 runs in three games. Uh, the worst loss being to the San Diego Padres, which that one just – that one hurt. That one hurt bad. That, that one, Padres lineup is scary. I know so it's spring training. fucking scary. Like, it's so awful. And now we have this news that Manny Machado – has agreed to an extension with the team. I don't know where they get the money. Stop asking me, all right? I have my own suspicions about drug cartels, and I have connections to the Cayman Islands, but I don't know because these were the San Diego Padres. These were the lowly Padres, right? That's something that was thrown around at us at one point. A lot of people that are my age will tell you that they still can't believe that the San Diego Padres are the team spending money like this. We've just grown used to them being this team that existed and kind of had some cool, you know, uh, logos and colors, some stuff going on. Uh, Tony Gwynn played for them, right? Yeah, that kind of stuff, right? But in the long run, uh, not, nothing that has ever been, like, scary as far as a franchise yeah. goes. Now they're just terrifying. Like, the, the things that we saw in that game make it hard for me to have hope for the future in this division. Like, the only thing that I'm thankful for is the – you know, new schedule where we will not be playing the San Diego Padres nearly as much. And and again, uh, the Manny Machado thing takes the uh, the entire uh, the idea the entire idea of him coming to the D backs, which we were sure about uh, happening, off the table. And I, I hate that. Yeah, I mean it. It makes me think back to days, like, kind of like you're saying, where like the Padres used to be kind of boring. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> like those were the days, oh, right? Man, those were good days, those were good times. <laughs> the Padres are no longer boring. Yeah. Uh, they, it feels like it, it's only a matter of time at this point before they uh, they cut a similar deal with Juan Soto. I have a hard time seeing uh, Peter Seidler and that ownership group letting Juan Soto walk. Uh, I think he's probably destined for for a big season. That's not a crazy hot take. You know, he didn't play particularly well after the trade last year. But if anyone's going to bounce back in 2023, Juan Soto's going to bounce back. I mean, we know he's that good. And uh, and yeah, in that lineup the other day, we didn't even see Fernando Tatis. Of course, he's going to miss uh, a few weeks to start the year. But eventually he factors in as well. Uh, and and yes, along with Manny Machado, almost all these guys are are under team control for an absurd length of time. So uh, it might not work out great. I mean, in the end, in a decade from now, maybe the Padres uh, regret <laughs> that, you know, they've got all these guys in their their upper 30s approaching their 40s still still with the Padres. But uh, but yeah, Manny Machado still at the top of his game. I, I don't see them regretting this one anytime soon. It, it, again, it, it's interesting because of where the Diamondbacks are. Here we are talking about Brandon Fott and how he factors in. Yeah. And you look at that Padres lineup, uh, even... You know, when they pick up a guy like like Michael Waka, who isn't, you know, uh, like you said, he's, his best days might be behind he's him a little bit. He's not great, yeah. Right? But at the same time, um, you know, again, that's the thing is their 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 pitching staff and everything is so good that they don't really need him. It just further adds depth to a team that depth might be the one area that you say that they lack, and they're they're adding depth too. So it's just it's unfair all around. It's unfair all around. But the Diamondbacks have plenty of depth, and their depth is coming from youth. And that's the one thing that's great about seeing Brandon Fott go out there today, have the great outing that he had. Uh, He was asked about basically, you know, competing for this fifth 
uh, rotation spot. And of, of course, he's going to give you know uh, an answer like this because there is only so much uh, that that he has control over. Kind of just telling myself to control what I can control and go out there and pitch the best I can. Um, whatever happens, happens, and um, we'll see if in the spring training. I'm trying to teach myself to do that, Jesse. I told you in text <laughs> messages. I'm trying to uh, just control what I can control and let the rest happen. But I'm not that person. I'm not cut from that cloth. I want to get angry about things that I have zero control over. <laughs> Traffic. Uh, I don't know, planes being late, all that stuff. I just want to be so furious about everything. The um, day that Derek Montilla operates with that kind of mindset, oh. uh, that would be a pretty, I can't imagine. I don't know. In the meantime, I'll still be getting uh, security to throw people out of the innings best for putting their hands on me. Yeah. That actually happened. Uh, I do anyway. I do kind of feel for Brandon Fott, though, being in this situation because we were having a similar conversation at the end of last year, right? Yeah. Brandon Fott was doing everything you could possibly ask him to do to get a late season call up. Yeah. And instead of calling up the guy who has a two and a half ERA and leads minor league baseball in strikeouts, the Diamondbacks were like, hey, Dre, Dre Jameson in that, you know, <laughs> seven and a half ERA. Like, yeah, let's yeah. bring him up here. And, and, you know, Ryan Nelson's numbers weren't much better. Of course, those guys wound up performing extremely well down the stretch. And, and I think, you know, those were both good moves when it was all said and done. But Brandon Fott's kind of been waiting his turn uh, here for a while. And uh, yeah, whether he's the front runner right now, I I don't know. I still feel like kind of like you were saying earlier, the Diamondbacks seem to value the experience. And there's kind of a pecking order here. I think the fact that Dre Jamison has already pitched some innings in the big leagues maybe gives him the edge. Um along with Ryan Nelson and Tommy Henry, of course, you know, if they're able to, to bounce back in future outings. Uh, so, you know, it might still be kind of a, a waiting game for Brandon Fott. But, yeah. uh, I mean, if, if he pieces together a few more outings like this one, there has to be some level of of performance that he could reach in spring training where the D-backs are like, okay, fine. <laughs> we'll just yeah. we'll just start. Fine. We'll just open the year with Look, you. you're good. Okay, well. we'll yeah, like eventually yeah. the D-backs are going to have to give in and, and call him up. Whether that's opening day or not, uh, of course, we'll have to wait and see. Well, uh, Stefan Crichton actually is uh, a name that has been uh, vital to this team, I would say, at times, but uh, also has had his ups and downs as a member of the staff. Uh, Tori Lovello announced today that Stephon Crichton has retired from Major League Baseball. So when it comes to how crowded the Diamondbacks bullpen was and how crowded, uh, you know, uh, what what they were going to do for some of these options, uh, there's one one less option uh, for Lovello. Uh, and he had some very nice things to say about Crichton and uh, this decision that he's made. Um, before I let you guys go, Stephon Crichton has decided to retire. Um, so I uh, had a conversation with him a couple mornings ago. And uh, he came in and, and um, just explained to me that it was time for him to turn um, turn the page and, and uh, take the next journey, the next part of his journey um, away from baseball. So uh, it was very it was a very sad conversation for me because I know what he's offered this organization and, and he laid it out there for us and he got injured and he kept trying to come back and. It, you know, he felt like it was just time. Like it was, it was something he felt in his heart for a long time. So, part of me was sad, but a part of me was excited for him because he was very convicted in, the, in this decision. Um, and you know, he's going to go in a different direction and be very successful. He's a special human being. Did some very special things for this organization, um, and you know, we're proud that he was a part of it. And I wish him nothing but the best moving forward. Appreciate that. 
Yeah, Stephon Crichton at one time was kind of in the running. Uh, he closed games. Closed games for this team, right? He had, he had five. He was a closer. He had five saves in 2020. He had four saves in 2021, a year that didn't ultimately go very well for him, but then he got hurt. And uh, unfortunately, it's something that happens a lot for guys where they get hurt and it's it's hard to, to bounce back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in 2020, Stephon Crichton was the best reliever the Diamondbacks had. I mean, he, he was pretty good, right? 26 innings, seven runs, uh, nine walks, 23 strikeouts at 2.42 ERA, saved five games. Uh, he was like the Diamondbacks closer for, for a span of time there between 2020 and 2021. Uh, and he's been in the organization ever since. But Unfortunately, things didn't quite work out for him. Ben says having a rotation with perfect health is unlikely. Who's to say that he won't make it sometime in 2023? Uh, and, and I don't know if that's in relation to the previous comment about Justin yeah. Martinez or about Brandon Fott, but either way, yes. Uh, I think Justin Martinez and Brandon Fott are both going to be a major part of this team before the end of this season. Yeah, that's, Martinez probably not in the rotation. So I'm I'm assuming oh, yes. we're talking about yeah, I, I didn't see, yeah, having rotation. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Could Re- you imagine reading if, is hard, words are hard. You guys know everything's hard for me. What what if how how many innings do you think Justin Martinez could maintain the velo for? Like could Justin Martinez build up to the point where he's throwing 102 in the seventh inning? I mean, that'd be him, that'd be pretty cool. I'll take it for four innings. For maybe four <laughs> I'll innings. I'll take him as a starter <laughs> for four. This is why you're not the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Derek. <laughs> this is why they always tell me that. Hey, that guy me. looks good. Let's yeah, see if whatever. he can pitch nine you innings know what? today. You're in. Uh, that's, that's the way I manage. But uh, of course, that's because. I've been drinking, and you should too. Grab yourself some Four Peaks Brewing Company beers wherever you get your beers. Uh, go down to their 8th Street Pub. I don't know if anybody uh, went and, and got in on the Beer Can Derby on our behalf, but I hope if you did, you had a PHNX sticker on the side and you cheated. That's the most important part is I wanted you to cheat. But uh, there are spring training tours over at the 8th Street Pub through March, so make sure to check them out over at Four Peaks Brew on Twitter. Uh, remember, their calendars at fourpeaks.com slash events for all your beer week entertainment. And our friends at Four Peaks will be out at the M3F Festival March 3rd and 4th. Jesse, do you know what that is? The M3F Festival? Uh, no. It no, is. I, a, I, I believe it's an electronic music festival, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I'm getting the nod from our guy, of course, Sean, Sean Paz, who of course, of course. knows. There uh, are so. actually some, some decently, like, Decent artist. Charlie ninety two is gonna be there. Um there's like a few artists that people might actually know. It's not it's not your, you know, just some random music festival. Like there's some there's some solid no, yeah, names yeah, there. Yeah. Actually, I mean, even at like I've noticed that with even like Buds of Palooza this year, there's some great artists coming to that. So uh, make sure to check out those events. I just was at Innings Fest and the lineup was incredible. So there's all sorts of wonderful uh events, especially around this time of year. But like I said, they will be out at M3 Festival March 3rd and 4th. So grab your tickets at m3ffest.com and enjoy a wow wheat beer while you're there. Hell yeah. Uh, must be 21 years or older to enjoy it and enjoy it responsibly. Also, baseball season is upon us. And you know, I know, Jesse knows, we all know, you do not want to be involved in a fantasy baseball season for the entire season. Let's let's be honest. Let's just... There was a time. The there was a time when I did. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that's, that's when he was like 12. And yeah, he had, he had right. all the time in the world. When I had all the time like in that. the world. Oh, remember those days? I had like, <sighs> I didn't just have one league, Derek. I had like four. That's fucking gross to me. And I don't even want to hear I don't that. know how oh I, I managed it. But <laughs> even even if you had no job, I don't understand how you would have time for that. But Underdog does daily fantasy sports differently. And of course, they offer the option for you to grab five of your friends, pick up to six players, no positional limits, NBA, Major League Baseball, football, whatever you want. Uh, make sure to grab 
that and whoever wins, uh, wins some cold hard cash at the end of the night. Uh, and we are riding on pitch counts in 2023. I've told you guys that. We're going to get together on Twitter. I'll throw out my picks. You guys, uh, maybe we'll just agree on them together, whatever. We're going to ride on pitch counts and win some money. And it's this easy to get started. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up with promo code PHNX and underdog will match your first deposit up to $100. Um, Jesse, we don't have a lot of time. We, 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 we got a lot of stuff going on. We got a lot of pitch clock shenanigans. We got the baseball game that was exciting. But you know what? The two hours and four minutes uh, gave us some extra time. I looked at Jesse, and the first thing I said was, <laughs> we just got an hour back of our lives that we wouldn't have gotten back. Right? Do you even like baseball, Derek? Like, I swear, you See, just want the game to this. end as no, soon as possible. No, Say I want it. baseball to be reasonable, all right? And today was great. Like, today aired on the other. Like, it was too short, but I'm fine with that. I'm you okay going to want that. two outs instead of three pretty I'm, soon? I'm is okay that what's next? That. So it's okay seven innings? Yeah, um, seven innings, two Mark, outs. Mark Solaire is here. He says, pitch count 2023. Uh, by the way, great seeing Mark. Uh, me and Mark have everything in common, by the way. We, we like professional wrestling. We like baseball. We like watching Jesse get beat in ping pong. And we love magic. And we got to see Penn and Teller this weekend. That was great. Uh, but that was this weekend. And that was then. This is now. And of course, you know, every week on this goddamn show is Shark Week. Every day on this show is Earth Day. And every Monday, regardless of if baseball games are being played, and if they're two hours, three hours, or four hours, we go to the mailbag. Sean, let's go! My mailbox. Always something interesting in my mailbox. I try to get to everything in my mailbox. And then once in a while, there's a letter that makes me go, wow, wow, my mailbox. Always something interesting. Uh, Michaela Decker in the comments says, I think Ryan still has a shot if he performs better in his next start. Absolutely agree. Uh, yeah. I am the one that jumps to conclusions very quickly. Tori Lobolo is not. Jesse is very reasonable and, and level-headed. <laughs> I am not. So. He just couldn't, from what I've heard, uh, Ryan Nelson was just really struggling with his breaking stuff. He just had a hard time landing his breaking stuff. And uh, we saw at times last year when he got a little over-reliant on his fastball. And uh, he didn't throw that many fastballs necessarily, but the breaking stuff just wasn't all that effective because he, he just couldn't command it. So, yeah. But he, yeah. He's definitely still got a shot for sure. All right, Sean, first question. What do we got? Uh, first first question comes from Larry Jones. Larry asks, as I mentioned in the Discord chat, the home run that Perdomo hit over the weekend was harder than any other ball he's hit in the majors. He said he wanted to add strength over the offseason. Do you know if he succeeded? The one batted ball is super encouraging. Again, uh, Jesse's reasonable. I jumped to conclusions. Larry, I'm 100% with you. Geraldo Perdomo is going to hit 40 home runs. Our risk king is here. <laughs> no, but yeah, he did He did look bigger. There's a lot of guys that kind of look in in more shape, in better shape one way or another. Perdomo looks bigger. Uh, we talked about some of the guys. I think somebody in the chat said some of the guys look slimmer. Completely agree. Carson Kelly looks slimmer. I think Brandon Fott kind of slimmed down. We also had, uh, Jesse and I were talking about that, uh, Madison Bumgarner looks leaner as well. Like he doesn't, uh, he was he was he was quite big last year, but it wasn't like hefty big. He was like muscular, and he does look like leaner now. So hopefully that leads to some more uh, success for Mad Bum this year. But uh, what are your thoughts, Jesse? Perdomo hitting more home runs is is of course a good thing. Yeah, more, more yeah. Perdama, I think more, I think more, it's more a good per, thing. More Perdam power. Yeah, yeah. More more homers is is better than less homers. Uh, no, yeah. It, it was interesting. Uh, Perdomo 
hit that home run against a lefty, I believe. Yeah. And uh, last season, he did not homer against a lefty the entire year. Uh, of course, he's a he's a switch hitter. So uh, most of his powers come batting left-handed against righties. Uh, it's interesting, though. I mean, if you look at his splits last year, he actually had a higher OPS against lefties, despite not ever uh, hitting a home run. But um, yes, yes, the risk king, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's 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 a big thing for for Perdomo getting a little bit stronger. I can't personally speak to how much stronger he is, how much weight he's put on necessarily. Right. He doesn't look entirely like a different person necessarily, but. Uh, adding strength is definitely an important thing for him because last year, frankly, he just didn't hit the ball that hard. Uh, it, when when pitches were in the strike zone, uh, Geraldo Perdomo would would he would be a little bit overwhelmed at times. And so when he would uh, put the ball in play, it just didn't go as far, and, and the exit velos were not as high as what you need to see from an everyday player. Uh, so yeah, hopefully some of those things turn around for him this year. All right, what else we got? Uh, Gabriel Bold at Bold is Bronze asks, what makes Fott's fastball so heavy, the speed or the spin? Well, I can tell you this much. We asked him that, and he said he doesn't know. Um, so uh, it doesn't sound <laughs> like Brandon Fott cares very much for analytics or a lot of the things uh, that Jesse literally just covets and, and writes at night on a little pad of paper just for himself uh, out of excitement. But uh, Fott, we talked about his spin rate being one of, uh, the best spin rates in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. We, we shared the video, uh, once again today, if you haven't seen it, uh, check go check out. out our, go what check out our Twitter own? profile, uh, at PHNX underscore D backs. We posted our diamond mind video that we made a few months ago, uh, detailing Brandon Fott's game. And, uh, specifically we touched on, on the spin rates as you were just talking about. Um, I believe the spin rate on his four seamer was even higher, uh, today in his outing than it was, uh, last season in, in, <laughs> from the data that we saw in AAA. So, Good luck hitting um, that. But like, yeah. Je- like Jesse was telling me, though, at the game today, like one of the things about the, the spin rate really is, is it's more about how uh, it changes the pitch shape and changes the movement of the pitch more than just the spinning, right? You can, yeah. you can have a, a, a high spin rate, but if the pitch isn't moving, it's really not doing much to affect uh, the batter's ability to hit it or some of those things that Brandon Fott has success with. So a lot of it... I think is is about Brandon Fott's pitch shape, which you talked about in that video quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to make it make it sound like oh, high spin rate equals like Cy Young winner or something. You know, That's obviously it's you said it. You heard yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little more complicated than that. Generally speaking, uh, pitchers with higher spin rates, pitches with higher spin rates, uh, have more movement. Uh, and specifically more like late movement. It tends to kind of jump on guys in a way that other pitches don't. Uh, so the fact that Fott has, you know, those pretty eye, eye-popping numbers uh, with specifically his four-seamer and a slider, uh, you know, those are great things. However, what we don't know necessarily, we don't have the data for, at least I don't have the data for, is how much of that spin is actually translating to movement. Uh, some guys have high spin rates, but it doesn't necessarily translate as well as other guys who use their spin more efficiently and, and maybe have a lower spin rate. An example would be Ryan Nelson, uh, who we've talked about as having maybe the best fastball of any Diamondbacks minor leaker, at least in terms of the the life on the pitch. Uh, Nelson's spin rate is actually quite a bit lower than Fott's, uh, but his efficiency with that spin is, is off the charts extremely high. And so there's an example of a guy whose spin rate isn't necessarily that high, 
Um, but the movement is is crazy because of how much of that how much of that spin is actually contributing to it. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to see. We'll have to get a little bit more data on FOD before we fully understand it. But uh, suffice it to say, his his four seamer is pretty darn good, and it looked pretty darn good today. Uh, next question. Let's go on, Sean. What do we got? Brighton Bobbit on Twitter at bb underscore nitro asked. It's obviously early still, but is there anyone that's surprising you so far this spring? Can be a positive surprise or a negative surprise. Uh, well, I'm gonna say, from what we saw today, Cattell Marte looks outstanding. Yeah, Cattell Marte is back, y'all. Uh, defensively, he made a, a spectacular play. Christian Walker also looks in midseason form. It's incredible how like how effortless that guy makes playing first base look. Yeah, and he had some pretty insane scoops today. Yeah, over first. just yeah. I mean it's it's incredible, and he makes it look so easy and effortless when he does it. Um, but Gattel Marte, he Tori talked a- after the game about him looking, you know, uh, like feeling stretched out, uh, his legs feeling really good. So these are all very positive signs because. Really, you know, as much as we want to hold uh, his defense against him last year, I really feel like it was the injuries that were holding him back and also still adjusting to playing, you know, back at second base, which now he is there, he is playing there. And uh, uh, again, I think that's one of the other questions we got, but we'll get to that. But Cattell looked great. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely a guy on my list too. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm blown away by anything I've seen offensively, uh, not sure. that I'm disappointed uh, oh, offensively. Oh, he was frustrated today. We heard him verbally, like, yeah, got, yeah, he, upset about I think he, out. he swung at a pitch that he didn't want to swing at in a 3-2 count at one point, wound up striking out. So, uh, yeah, offensively, I mean, we haven't seen enough to say much. But, yeah, the play that he made um, in the early innings of the game today was a play that, frankly, I don't think he, he would have gotten close to making last year. Yep. Uh, he looks significantly more agile. It looks like maybe his lower half is a little bit leaner. He's able to get around a little bit better. Um, so that's huge for the D-backs. Even if Cattell, you know, doesn't become a 900 OPS guy again, he's able to get some of that offense back from last year and play even just an average defense at second base. That would be a really positive development. And like Ben says, S-tier hair. S-tier hair on Cattell this season. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, it is. It's mostly about him getting on base more. I feel like that is actually the thing that I think... Yeah. We'll see, and I think he doesn't have to do as much. I think there was a period of time where Cattell really did feel that shift to it being on his shoulders, and I don't think that he has that anymore with with the support that he has now, the young guys. And I think like that's one thing that's that's hilarious to me. You guys think that like the the rest of the team doesn't know how special the young guys are? They absolutely know. Like we can't talk to them without them bringing up the young guys in some way, shape, or form. So they're very excited about playing with Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll and Jake McCarthy, and they give them their flowers any chance they get, and they talk often about how fast they are. And honestly, they also talk about how they're kind of pushing the envelope when it comes to the whole team. I feel like, again, they 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 know that those guys are there to potentially take the positions from them, and these guys are... You know, it's it's competition yeah. is good for everybody, you know? Yeah. I don't know if anyone's necessarily, you know, coming for Cattell's spot at second oh, no, base. No, no, I no, think no. That's, that's true. That, that's, that's probably true, fairly but, safe. But but they do they do have all the praise for for the younger guys. And I think, again, for when it comes to Cattell, it's more about taking the pressure off of him as yeah. the guy that needs to do it offensively, knowing that he has a great team surrounding him now. Yeah. Another name that I would I would bring up as far as uh, surprises, I guess this one's also on the positive side. I don't necessarily want to say surprise, but uh, Corbin Martin 
we've heard specifically about his performance in a live uh, BP session where he looked really good. We saw him in an actual Cactus League game for the first time today. Uh, I thought he looked solid. He wasn't necessarily, um, you know, he didn't necessarily blow me away or anything. But based on what we've heard from Tori Lovello about him so far, um, combined with a pretty solid uh, inning in the game today, makes me think that Corbin Martin is like a guy. Like he he could factor into the bullpen situation for the Diamondbacks. And I don't know if we came into spring training really with him even on the radar. Like, yeah. let's face yeah, yeah. it, he, he's kind of been this failed starter that, that, you know, has made a couple of appearances in the big leagues, uh, hasn't really looked that great. And the minors last year's numbers weren't very good. Uh, but the D-backs have, have told him this year, like, we want you to focus on being a reliever, uh, which is a hard thing for a lot of starters to hear. It's yeah. it's something that a lot of starters of course, don't want to don't want to ever experience. But I think once you kind of get over that hump and you embrace like, OK, this is the role that I'm in now, you can adjust your arsenal a little bit. You can simplify. You can throw a little bit harder. And and the early returns for Corbin Martin seem to be good. It seems like he's kind of narrowing down on fastball curveball as being his two main pitches. Uh, we heard about him hitting 97 in, in live BP. Yeah. Um, I think it was 96.3 or something today. But uh, either way, I mean, I think with those two pitches, he has a chance to be a solid reliever. And he, and he was he was getting guys to swing and miss uh, in in live BP. That was the most important thing. Yeah. His his out pitch especially looked extraordinary. We have some video of that on our Twitter account, so check that out over at PHNX uh, underscore Dbacks. But um, yeah, I mean, not too many. I I I don't think there's too many negatives yet. I, I want to say that you know, we haven't <laughs> had a chance to see many people. I'm sure. People are disappointed by what we saw of Tommy Henry and Ryan Nelson this this weekend. Yeah, I, I think, think negatives. Those are those are probably the the yeah. main ones. We were, but it's so I mean, it's such a small sample that it's hard to really call anything yeah. a negative or a positive at this point. I mean, it's just I'm calling lots of things positive. I mean, you know like I like am. imagine you know I am. imagine like like you evaluating like during the regular season, evaluating a starting pitcher after two innings. Do it. Like it, like it doesn't matter. Like if your first two innings are kind of a disaster, or if your first two innings are great, like that doesn't necessarily mean the whole outing is going to be that way. So and, that and, we're still at that point and right now. The wildest now. thing about uh, spring training is, and this is completely honest. This is completely true. You could give up six runs, and there's still tons of positives that Tori Lavello could find in your yeah. outing, right? Like, so it really isn't about the runs. It isn't about the hits. It isn't about, there's other things that they're, they're looking at the stuff, how well the stuff plays, how coachable you are and, and how much you can adapt to those situations. Another big thing with Tori is, is how these guys react to these negative outings to these, when they give up those big runs, can you yeah. come back out and get some more outs for them after having a, a big inning where you gave up a lot of runs? These are the things that matter to Tori more than necessarily what the box score says. So that's the reason why spring training, you can't always take the bad outings and say like this, like I said earlier, uh, that this needs to be flushed, right? Like I don't want to think about these weekend games, especially three hours and all of those runs being scored after, you know, what we, what we saw today, but you know, Tori has to take something away and he can't be like me. He can't just rush to judgment based on two innings of work from some of these guys, but he leaves that up to me. Tori knows I'm I'm quick to judge. So <laughs> you would like, have demoted like half the guys down to uh, minor league camp. Absolutely, I wouldn't yeah. have Yeah, we would already have the roster trimmed down. I, there's no <laughs> doubt in my mind. What else we got, Sean? All right, uh, Kevin Simeon says, "Will we see Cattell play second base full time this season with spot starts at center field? We will never see Cattell play center field ever again. 
Wow. I don't I don't know how why? Why would we? Why would we? Why do we need to? Do we ever need to see Cattell in center field ever again? No, I I mean I think I agree with you. I'm just uh, you come out. I was very so emphatic. I was so strong You're with that. Very right? emphatic. Like as if I actually uh, asked Tori that question. I absolutely did not. I'm just saying based on my experience with Tori uh, and Cattell and the options. Why? Why would the options that they have would Cattell ever go back out to center field? Yeah, I mean, frankly, and and you know, we have seen Cattell make some improvements defensively. It looks like, at least from what we've seen so far. Sure. Uh, but if you have a guy who grades out as a subpar second baseman probably don't want to put that guy in center field, right? That's not usually how this works. I yeah. think maybe in a in a grave emergency situation, maybe the Diamondbacks would throw Cattell in center again, but uh, they have their share of center fielders, oh, right? Yeah. Uh, everyone basically that we project to be a starting outfielder for the D-backs can play center field uh, other than maybe Lourdes Gurriel. You probably would want to throw him out there. but Or um, Kyle Lewis. Or Kyle Lewis, yeah, dep- or Paven Smith. I get you know, depending on how the how got, the roster got, spots shake out. Of guys. Yeah, there's there's a like, few, nah, there's nah. a few, but uh, but yeah, I mean, Cattell didn't play a single game in center field last year. I'd be really surprised if he did this year, or frankly, any year uh, from from this point Ever. on. <laughs> it was a bad idea. Let's just leave it in the past. <laughs> what else we got, John? Last question. Last question. Uh, Jacob asks, who has more heat, uh, De Niro or Justin Martinez? Jesse won't get this reference. Yes, absolutely. That is a uh, pro wrestling reference. And uh, I'm going with Justin Martinez. I, heat in wrestling. Jesse. Would you like to explain it to me so, so I at yeah, least I understand would, I would. what's, what's I, happening I here? Uh, heat in pro wrestling, Jesse, is where like a bad guy uh, in, in, in wrestling does something that uh, that that causes people to boo him and not like him, right? Which is kind of his job, right? So they call that heat. That's the nickname for that. A uh, bad guy. So implying that there are good guys and bad guys in wrestling. So we need which to I, talk. Which I guess we need to talk about this. Given Jesse. that apparently this is uh, wrestling because, is, is. Wait, scripted. have you had this conversation face to face? Yeah. So apparently I've not. I've not. So Jesse, <laughs> we haven't had this conversation uh, directly, but Derek did plenty of gossiping. Uh, last week while I was out of town from what I Did I, I let you down? I mean, I feel like I let you down. <laughs> I think you did. How, I think I mean, you did. Because here's the thing. We talked about this, and this is just the wildest proposition, is, like, finally, you didn't know professional wrestling was scripted. However, you also didn't think a guy called The Undertaker that rose from the dead to fight people wasn't the coolest fucking thing you'd ever heard in your life. Explain yourself. Did you think these were just like personas (laughs) that they took on to like intimidate their opponents and then they got into a physical altercation like UFC? Yeah, I mean, I mean, frankly, Derek, the the entire world of pro wrestling, all of the all of the things that you've told me, it generally goes in one ear and out the other. So and I, don't, I didn't let you down. This isn't my fault. You're not no, listening no, to me. No, no, I mean, but but I still, you know, I still remember the things to a certain degree. And and no, I will maintain that never once has it come up that uh, pro wrestling is uh, is actually scripted. You have never told me that. And as I've told a number of people at this point, uh, if Derek Montia didn't tell it to me about pro wrestling, then I don't know it. <laughs> the entirety <laughs> the entirety of my pro wrestling knowledge comes from oh, you, Derek. Man. So yes, this is entirely your fault. I don't think you can really pin any of this on me at the end of the day. Uh, you can't you can't possibly be making assumptions See, that I would know anything about pro wrestling from, that you didn't tell me. He went from being an Undertaker me. to being an American badass, and then he wore a motorcycle down in the ring. Oh, man. I acknowledge that it does... How it, is he not the coolest It person? makes the madness that is pro wrestling... Uh, 
make a little bit more sense to me I've never in retrospect. Been, I've never been so disappointed with you in my entire life um, than I am in this moment, but that's fine. I mean, it's okay. I, I, I've grown, I've grown accustomed to that. Uh, well, we thank you guys, of course, for the mailbag Monday questions. Uh, I think somebody asked in the chat, it was Chris Melton. She said, which of you two are happier that Jesse is back? I mean, I don't really know how to like, I mean, I'm ha I'm happy I'm back. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's kind of, I think this one's kind of up to you. That Derek. was a wildly unconvincing answer. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm supposed to be happy he's back. Uh, yeah, sure. I texted him nice things and said, don't ever go away again. But that's just because then too much of the show falls on me. Right. Like, uh, you know, I'm not. It's uh, more of a workload issue. It really yeah. is. It really is. It really is. Um, he's not wrong. But uh, of course, uh, the, the other issue is Jesse's uh, place needing to be furnished. So, uh, of course, we know about the Chase lounges. We know about some stools that he bought he went and bought some more chase lounges i don't know but uh that's really what i'm excited to be back for is, is the all, chase all of the chase lounges he doesn't in, yeah his uh, hotel room was surprisingly yes. lacking chase lounges <laughs> folks so of course you know i i uh, call the front desk but uh <laughs> hey this is an odd request but can you guys bring up another chase lounge to my room <laughs> not another one derek there no, were none to begin already, with there wasn't any in there there was not enough entirely uh, egregious he needs his he needs suggestions so tell jesse what furniture to buy for morefurniture.com of course he can get the white glove delivery service and so can you so make sure to grab yourself some furniture maybe buy jesse some furniture either way save big on the best furniture in the valley when you head to morefurniture.com and make sure to grab that delivery service it's wonderful and you don't have to lift a thing you know you don't know how to pivot the couch to get it in right so just have them come and do it for you uh, thank you guys so much for being here in the chat. We appreciate all of you guys here. Uh, these these late night episodes, we didn't know how they were going to go. So far, you guys have made us really want to do more of them. So we thank you guys for being here. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. Sign up for notifications. That way you don't miss when any of the shows go live. Uh, also, if you're listening to us right now on your favorite audio podcasting app, please subscribe to us there. Sign up for, no, uh, or excuse me, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Most importantly, uh, Jesse wants thumbs up. He wants all the thumbs up. Give him all the thumbs up on this show. Uh, and do that because he writes wonderful wonderful articles over at gophnx.com not just uh not most of them are free and unlocked but if you want all of them grab yourself a diehard membership over at gophnx.com you get jesse's full count newsletter as well as writing from craig morgan gerald borgay uh howard balzer and all of our writers here wonderful stuff uh you also get access to our members only discord lounge you get free merch from our phnxlocker.com as well as 20 percent off all future purchases. You also get members only access to our Discord, which is the best place to be an Arizona sports fan. Members only merch, members only discounts with our partners, and of course, members only events. So sign up today for your diehard membership. Let's talk about it, Jesse. Let's talk about how much I love the pitch clock. I love Here the pitch go, clock man. so goddamn much. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Baseball can be boring. And right now for me, at this point in my life, I've kind of grown used to baseball. I've, I've accepted all of baseball's weird rules. Derek doesn't like it, and he wants the game to be over as soon as possible. Look, That's what he's saying no, right now. You know now. what I don't like? I don't like being at the goddamn ballpark for four hours. That's what I don't <laughs> like. I have other stuff to do. You guys saw I was at Innings Fest. I had Penn and Teller. I talked about it earlier. You were here. I don't have time for three-and-a-half-hour baseball games. And what I saw today 
was wonderful. But we even had our own pitch clock shenanigans in this game because there was a weird moment where Joe Mantiply got assessed a penalty for taking too long uh, for his warm-up pitches prior to the start of an inning. And then uh, Cubs hitter, what was his name? Uh, Brennan Davis, Brennan I believe Davis. it was. Yes, Brennan Davis, spelled incorrectly, um, <laughs> at least in my book. Uh, also got assessed a penalty for not being in the box within the eight seconds. So the count started before a single pitch was thrown at one and one. It was the, pretty weird. It was as weird as you can get, and we're only going to get more weird shit like this in baseball as the season progresses. I told Jesse, this is only going to matter once it's something like this happens in a critical moment in a critical game that gives somebody a win one way or another. But yeah, definitely not the way that they wanted to start uh, an at bat. And actually, Tori Lavallo commented after the game about how it wasn't advantageous advantageous necessarily for a pit uh, a hitter to start one and one in right. this scenario and also kind of said that it was Carson Kelly's fault at the end of the day for taking a long time to get out there because he was the last batter to end the Diamondbacks half of the inning so he had to get back to the dugout and get his stuff on this is what Tori had to say about it it's very confusing we don't know a lot of those ground rules and we're learning piece by piece um i think the hang-up wasn't necessarily on joe but carson kelly who made the last out of the second inning bottom of the second so he was late getting out there um i think there's just going to be a little bit of um, um gray area or leeway given by the umpire knowing if the catcher wound up on the bases or was left on deck so um I think in the future you're going to see that kind of waved off and give an extension of time, unless the catcher is maliciously doing something, um, in which case I think they should penalize um, the pitcher. But Carson wasn't. He was doing his best to get out there. So we'll figure that out. Those are questions that we're going to have. But I don't know. I think the pitcher gets the advantage. If the count's going to start one and one, I don't know if that's the right call. If that's what it, that's how the rule's going to be, we'll, we'll, we'll address that and find out those answers. But I think the, the pitcher will have a distinct advantage if he starts with the one-one count. I promise you, just, uh, Tori did not look like that in real life. That he's not a <laughs> or whatever's going on there. But, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was interesting, though, the way that he kind of assessed it, that it was yeah. this series of events that thus led to both violations, right? Then he went on to talk, which we don't, we have video of it, but we're not gonna, we're gonna throw it up there because it kind of gets confusing and kind of goes all over the place because it does. He starts to talk about it being potentially a strategy coming out of, you know, warming up that, yeah, yeah as a pitcher, you might be willing to take the violation for the ball if you're going to end up forcing the batter into getting a violation for the strike by not yeah. giving him enough time to get in the box. I mean, the the thinking, as, as Tori talks about there, is from a pitching standpoint, you'd rather have the at-bat start 1-1 than 0-0. Not by a huge margin, right? I mean, the count's still even. Uh, but in a 1-1 count, you throw one strike, you've already got the hitter in a two-strike count, right? Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not a huge difference, but I do think a 1-1 count is a little more advantageous. Uh, than an OO count. It's funny how it's funny how baseball like play, players, managers, they see it differently than we do. We're like, what's yeah. the difference? One one OO. They're like, oh no, that's a huge advantage for the. Yeah, pitcher. I'd and have to. Like, I'd have to really look like more at the like the statistics behind yeah. that. I'm sure there's a very objective answer to that question. I'm sure it is that a one one count in general uh, is something that you would want uh, from the from the pitching from the pitching standpoint. So yeah, our team's gonna go out. And be like, nah, I'm just gonna hold the ball instead of throwing my warm up pitches when I'm supposed to, because yeah, it's gonna be a violation on me. But then, uh, if then I it's hold a violation the, on you, if I ah. hold the ball until eight <laughs> seconds, then uh, the hitter, you know, uh, I mean, I 
I, I guess the hitter could still step in the box and maybe avoid that. But I mean, the thinking is that you're you're kind of forcing the hitter into a into a penalty as well. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a very confusing situation as Tori talked about there. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like Carson Kelly was really the guy who started it, not Joe Mantiply. Uh, it's always tricky if you're the catcher, you make the the final out of the previous inning. You have to, you know, get the gear on and everything. Uh, so I guess Carson needs to uh, speed that up a little bit next time in order to in order to avoid that. Well, and that's not the only situation. There were bigger situations throughout spring training already, even though spring training just started. Yeah, where games were decided uh, by a violation or by a call, and that's. Uh, I mean, we we definitely expect to see more of that, but hopefully, it you know teams will acclimate so that it doesn't have such a huge impact on the outcome of the game, like we've seen. Yeah, yeah, we haven't talked about the the most important thing that happened over the weekend, Derek, which was that uh, trying to remember which day this was. This was I, I want to say it was on it was either Friday or Saturday. Uh, Red Sox Braves, right, bottom of the ninth, tie game, bases loaded. Cal Conley is at the plate. And uh, and he doesn't he doesn't engage with the pitcher as of the eight second mark. Right. Which is what you have to do. You have to be alert to the pitcher as of eight seconds. He doesn't do that. And it's strike three. And we don't play extra innings in spring training. So the game is over (laughs) because of a pitch clock violation. Um, exactly as Abner Doubleday intended when he invented the game of baseball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, isn't it isn't it just crazy? Like this this could happen, right? This could actually happen. I mean, this was a about as high a leverage of a situation a that you could get, game, right? Like not a spring training game, but yeah. like a critical playoff game. This could absolutely happen. And that's when I think the pitch clock could really go south for baseball. Is if come this October there are big moments that are spoiled by. The pitch clock, right? There was a great video of the uh, World Series yeah. last year where Bryce Harper apparently... Yeah, Bryce out. Harper's big home run set to the money ball music. And then instead of him, you know, the sound of the crack of the bat and him hitting that home run, instead it cuts over to this situation that I just described where there's a pitch <laughs> clock violation and, and the game just ends. Yeah, uh, it's fantastic. If that happens in the postseason, if something like that happens in the postseason, I don't think it's going to be a good look for baseball. Well, I think a lot of people are going to be critical. It's kind of like basketball, right, where they talk about not wanting the referees to, yeah. to decide the game at the end of a close game. Like, we might end up seeing some of these calls be used frequently during the season, but we might see a little bit more leeway during the playoffs, so thus that they don't have the calls impacting the game. When Jesse and I sat in the meeting, the one thing they talked about was how long it took for minor league players to acclimate to these new rules. And to be honest, the majority of players were able to acclimate to the rules very quickly within the first week or so. Yeah. It seemed like more than eight, I think it was more than 80% were acclimated by the end of the month. So the hope here is that they didn't want to give any kind of like kind of leeway or they they didn't want to give a, a, what is it, like a grace period during the the spring training period because these games are kind of meaningless. So this technically is the best time to get these major league players acclimated to these rules. And hopefully if they follow through with the same time frame that the minor leaguers were able to follow through, you know, by the time the season starts, they'll, for the most part, they'll be kind of, you know, used to them and, and just kind of accepting them as part of the everyday, you know, part of their game. The thing with Tori bringing this up though, was Tori, Definitely doesn't seem 100%, you know, certain on these rules himself. None of us are. And he also very much wants to see, like, what things are going to, like, what what strategies can we implement versus yeah. what things does baseball need to actively look out for and change. 
the thing today, he was kind of adamant about the fact that like they do need to kind of give the, the, the idea that a catcher needs to get back after his at bat and put on a whole bunch of equipment to get back out there and be ready to catch a, a pitcher warming up like seems to make sense, right? It seems like it's common sense, but even the umpires still aren't fully, you know, kind of have their mind wrapped around these rules. So you'll see calls like, like we saw today. And I'm sure when umpires kind of have some experience dealing with these situations, we'll see this stuff kind of rectify and change and not be yeah. as often. Yeah. I mean, I think the umpires have been instructed to just call everything, you know, kind of by the book as of right now. Uh, Tori alluded to maybe there would be some sort of an extension or something uh, like you were saying, um, you know, to give Carson Kelly a little bit more time to yeah. put the equipment on. That seems like a pretty reasonable provision that they could that they could, you know, put into the game to just make things the way they really should be. Yeah, it's, um, it's hard for a catcher to go back and put all that shit on yeah, and get back out there yeah. and not have an impact. I, I wasn't a catcher in Little League for very long. Uh, I believe it, it lasted one day. And then I, I I was very sad that game. And so my my coach was was sympathetic and decided to never make me the catcher ever Man, again. Your coach was um, nice because I was just the fat kid and I got stuck as catcher. Uh, that was yeah. the rules in the 80s. You're yeah, really, no, I... You're the chunky guy. You get back here and be catcher. I definitely was, was not the chunky guy, but... Oh, yeah. um, I'm but sure this 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 was kind of the stage of of little league where you know everyone's terrible. We should just have everyone try everything, you know. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, get, getting back to what we were actually talking about with all the rule changes and everything, uh, what they showed on the broadcast today was 1.97 uh pitch clock violations per game. That's what we've seen so far, at least entering the Diamondbacks game today. Um, which, which is terrible, which is not terrible. No, it's very similar to what they saw early on when they implemented the rules in the minor leagues. Uh, and if you think about it, I mean, it's basically two violations per game, one for each team. That's one ball and, and one strike, right? Or two balls, two strikes, yeah. right? Like you're not really impacting the game in a meaningful way with two violations, right? Um, and as you were talking about, that number is just going to continue to go down in the minor leagues as of, you know, about a month or so after the rules were implemented. Guys had pretty much figured it out. I think the violations cut in half or maybe even were less than that as of that point. So hopefully by the time we get to opening day, guys have kind of learned learned a few lessons, right? Maybe they have to learn those lessons the hard way in spring training, but hopefully once opening day comes, uh, you know, people know what they're supposed to know and are able to adapt as they need to. When opening day comes, you need to have the DraftKings Sportsbook app already on your phone, already ready to go, because we are making some money this baseball season. Of course, I already have my long-term bets in. That's for uh, Zach Gallon to win the Cy Young, which I'm not so sure about now after his uh, we're, we're having conflict with Zach Gallon. Um, yeah, he came after us on Twitter. So he's still calling us Finks. We had to change his name of the podcast, as you saw on Friday. I don't like that. I still want to know how much money Damon was paid by Zach Gallon to do all of that. Um, <laughs> but of course, you ride with us this this year, and of course, we are going to make some money uh, on baseball. And of course, you know how it goes around here. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use our promo code of PHNX. If you're a brand new customer, you can bet five dollars and get two hundred dollars in. Free bonus bets instantly only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHNX. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Make sure to keep an eye out for all of those opt-in options that you can have. All sorts of boosts, all sorts of kickers. And most importantly, they got those same game parlay uh, where you can get your money back if you don't hit. So make sure to keep an eye out for that. And also a big shout out to our friend uh, from Mountain Mike's Pizza. Uh, Mountain Mike's. 
of course, we forgot, actually, Jesse, without you being here, this is what happens. I don't do the things I'm supposed to do. We mm. have an extra pizza to give away now because we did not give away our oh, free pizza on Friday. So we get to give so away two pizzas this week? Maybe we'll give away two pizzas this week. Maybe we give away one tomorrow on Tuesday's show. But either okay. way, uh, Mountain Mike's Pizza, fantastic pizza, fantastic beer selection. Head over there. Uh, they have their Mesa, Chandler, or Tucson location. We're not forgetting about you guys down south. Uh, the lunch buffet is fantastic. Uh, thank them. Uh, we thank you guys as always for for the food that you bring to the office. They keep us well fed. Head over to mountainmikespizza.com or head to those locations in Mesa, Chandler, Tucson uh, to place your next order. And by the way, if you sign up for a Die Hard membership, uh, just a reminder, new Die Hards get a $50 voucher upon signing up for being us, part, part of our part of our thing over here, part of our family. So we thank you guys uh, for that have already done that for doing that. And a big shout out to Mountain Mike's. And again, yes, Jesse, we'll throw uh, we'll we'll give it out free pizza. So come back tomorrow. You have to be in the chat. You got to right? be in That's the chat. That's the way it works. You got to be in the chat. Come back tomorrow, and we will give out a free pizza. Uh, we don't know how we're going to do baseball games because we lucked out today. Jesse and I made it back here with plenty of time to do today's show because today's game was only two hours and five minutes. <laughs> and I don't know what to do with myself because are we going to see this in the future? We didn't attend the weekend games when you saw how those went. So maybe we're the good luck charms. Maybe we're the ones that bring the short game time. Forget this pitch clock. It's Jesse and Derek that do it. But uh, I'm glad you're back because that was too much work to do all by myself. So glad you're here. Uh, glad you guys are here. Of course, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at cap underscore caveman with a K. He reluctantly is at Jesse and Friedman. Uh, our show is at PHNX. <laughs> I, I am D-backs. reluctantly <laughs> at Jesse and Friedman. Uh, but of course, all roads lead to at PHNX underscore sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You know, that actually is true because I would have loved to be at Jesse Friedman, but mm-hmm. I don't know who it was, but some other Jesse Friedman apparently exists don't, and already had taken it. Don't, so. Google, don't Google his name. Yeah, don't, not, yeah, yeah. On that subject, please you're don't not, Google. You can results. Google my name with the word Diamondbacks, yeah, but maybe, if you just Google maybe, my name. Maybe you'll get that. Yeah, Greg Schulte impersonation, or maybe you'll go down a rabbit hole about another guy that you didn't even intend to go down. <laughs> uh, but either way, we thank you guys for being here. And of course, uh, shout out to our diehards. We love you guys. Thank you guys so much. We love all of you. Thank you all for being here. On behalf of Sean, Jesse, and myself, we always appreciate your time. Uh, and remember, kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when baseball games are two hours and four minutes. Let's fucking go. Hmm. <sighs> The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.